joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue. Let's go ahead and just have a moment of prayer as we get started, and we will remember those two in that moment. God, we thank you so much for the chance to just be here this morning and to have the opportunity to worship you and to praise you, God, and to come around your table and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We pray that in this moment, God, that uh, we now shift our attention to your word, uh, allow your spirit to fill this room uh, and to convict us and guide us in our thoughts today as we open up uh, your Bible. God, we pray a very special prayer for Miss Becky and Miss Lois as they are having health issues uh, and concerns. God, just bring healing to them uh, so that they can uh, return to their normal place uh, in life uh, so that they can live uh, in the best way possible. Just just bring healing and peace to them at this time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you want to open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been studying from over the past few weeks, as we've been tackling and looking at this idea of um, faith, and, and faith in an extraordinary way, trying to take our faith uh, from just something that we claim we have, that we maybe show a little bit here and there, to really kind of taking ownership of that faith and doing something extraordinary with it. Ordinary people become extraordinary when they rise up and meet the challenge before them. And that really is how faith is shown. Faith is shown when, when moments are in front of us, and a lot of times they are challenging moments. And in the, the stories that we've looked at up to this point in this particular study, following Hebrews chapter 11, it is challenging moments that these people walk up to and they look at and they face them and they face them in an extraordinary way and it's simply because of the faith that they have in God, the faith that they had developed along the way and then had to put into practice and put into action in that moment. And so today we're going to look at uh, Moses' parents. Moses' parents. So if you go to chapter 11, and you, you see, uh, starting in verse 23, uh, verse 23 simply reads this way. It says, um, by faith, Moses' parents hid him three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And then as you go on in verse 24 and through verse, I think, about 27, uh, you get this great kind of rendition of the story of Moses and what he did. And outside of Abraham, Moses has more written about him in Hebrews chapter 11 than anybody else. But I, I've been going back and forth on this all week long. I, I've, I've, I got to where I was working. I had gotten to where I'd worked up my notes on, on the life of Moses and, and his uh, faith and the way he showed that and the challenges he faced in life. But I just kept coming back to this particular verse. I kept coming back to this particular verse because I believe that if it's not, well, I mean, it's just true. If it's not for Moses' parents, if it's not for Moses' parents, then we don't have who? Moses. Because Moses was born in a very challenging and interesting time for the people of Israel. They are in bondage. They are in Egypt. 
And, and they are growing. One, one of the promises that, that Abraham is, is given by God is I'm going to make you the father of a what kind of nation? A great nation. And, and this nation grew, I think, maybe more during their captivity than any other time we see leading up to this point. And they were getting to where they were outnumbering the people of Egypt, and they were, they were getting scared. Pharaoh was getting scared. So what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh signs a law, signs an edict, if you will, that all the boys uh, under a certain age, uh, they had to be killed. And so Moses' parents, they knew that there was something special about their son. And I don't know if they knew there was something special, special, or if that's just like a parenting kind of thing. You know, like, I don't care. I don't, I, a lot of you have babies in here. None of your babies are as special to me as, as my baby. Some of your babies are special to me, but I look at my baby and I'm like, well, my baby is more special than your baby. Why? Because it's, it's mine, okay? And so, and, and, and I hope and pray that you feel the same way about your baby, you know? So I wonder if this is kind of one of those phrases where you just, you just see the love coming from Moses' parents, or if it really is like they just knew in their soul that this guy's going to do something great for our people somewhere. They didn't know how, they didn't know why, but he was going to do something great. And so they took it upon themselves, they took it upon themselves to hide this child. They hid him for, what does it say, for three months. And then the moment came where they're like, okay, we have figured out this way, if you will, to make sure that he lives and that he's going to be okay. So they put him in the basket and they push him down the river and he, and he rolls in, you know, to the princess and uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and looks at him and falls in love with him and takes him home and raises him as her own. But, but what's the key to all of this? Who actually ends up still raising Moses, his wife, his mother. His mother plays her cards just right so that she's the one that comes in and is basically his nanny. Okay, And so you see that this, this mother did everything and all the things that she could to make sure she raised her son in the safest and best way possible. And so what challenge did she face? She faced the challenge of raising children. Raising children is a challenge isn't it? I remember the first moment that I realized that raising children was going to be a challenge. We're driving down the road, and Collins has a necklace on, and, and she's not very old. She's probably about London's age, maybe a little bit older, but in that three-year-old range, and uh, she's got this necklace, and she's got, there's, there's a, something on the necklace. She's got it, and she, I, I can hear her behind me. She's running this necklace through her teeth. You know, it's just, I can hear this necklace in her mouth. And I'm in this, like, new dad mode still, and I'm like, she could, like, this thing could break, and she could swallow it, and she's going to die right back here in this back seat, you know. And so I'm like, hey, Collins, take that out of your mouth. Collins, take that out of your mouth. Collins, take that out of your mouth. She's back here just grinning because she knows what she said. Um, she doesn't remember it, but she knows what she said. And... I finally, like, we get to a stop sign, and I, I, I stop the car, and I turn around, and I go, Collins, take the necklace out of your mouth. And she looks at me, and she goes, you just need to turn around and drive. Okay. That's been a struggle ever since. And I'm like, this isn't easy. I just started smacking. Like, you know, I didn't know what I was hitting, but like, I'm just doing that parent thing. I'm just reaching around trying to get something, you know. Probably hurt my hand. I probably didn't even hit, you know, I'm sorry, spank her. And um, Alex DeLeon asked me a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting at breakfast during, during before school started back, and um, he goes, I just got to ask you something. I go, what? He goes, what's the easiest part? 
I go, of what? He goes, of, of raising kids. And, and you know, I'm, I'm an expert at this point. I'm an expert through three. Like, Britain's, London's three, I've raised four up until three. And, I, and I'm getting more of an expert along the way. The, the older is still learning from experience as I go. But, but the little kid stuff, like, I've got it whipped. I can write that book, you know. And, um, and I looked at him, I go, what do you mean what's the easiest part of raising the kids? Like, what, what phase have you been through that's the easiest? And I looked at him and I go, right where you are right now. One kid that can't talk, can't walk, and it just does what you want it to do. You dress it the way you want it to dress. You feed it when it's time to feed it. You change it when it's time to change it. There's no talking back. There's no, this is the easiest it's ever going to be. And he's like, really? I'm like, yes. My advice is just have one. That's my advice, you know. Didn't take that advice, but that's, people ask me, what, what's, what advice do you have from having four kids? Just have one. Um, raising children is not easy. I love it. I love being a dad. I love being a dad. But those of you that have raised children and are beginning to raise children, it does not take you long to realize that there is such a great burden that comes along with raising kids. There's this, <coughs> there's this TikTok that's been floating around uh, TikTok, Facebook video, something <laughs> over the last few weeks uh, that I've seen. And, and maybe it's just been there uh, to remind me of this as, as I've been preparing. But it says, you only have your kids for five years. And then they're handed off to other people. And you have, you know, you kind of have control over your kids for five years and then you send them into the school system and other people are teaching them and other adults are around them. And, and then you still have some control over them, like you're trying to instill things on them. But man, the, 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 the scariest thing that I can imagine, I haven't got to this point yet, but the scariest thing that I can think about as a parent is getting to that point to where I'm taking the oldest one to school and I'm dropping them off, you know, to college for the first time and I walk away and I hope, and I think, I hope it sticks. I hope everything that I've instilled in them along the way, I hope it sticks. Because raising children is a burden. You have such a responsibility to raise them in a way that not only are they good and rounded and functional, but as children of God, that they are responsible and committed disciples to Jesus. And nothing challenges that. You see this in the statistics. Nothing challenges that more than the moment you drop them off at college. Right? Nothing challenges your raising in a spiritual way more than that moment that you drop them off to college and now they're having to make those decisions on their very own. So the question then becomes how do we raise our kids in faith? How do we become great faith driven parents? Maybe the best way to answer it or to ask it. How do we become great faith driven parents? So here's some things that I'm going to give you. I'm going to six things. Some of them will take a little bit longer than others, but six things that I've thought of that I want to share with you this morning. The first is this, put Christ first in your life. If you are a parent raising children at any stage of their raising at this point, the most important thing for you in the way that you raise your children is Jesus has to be the most important thing in your life, period. No questions asked. The most important thing in your life. Because if it's not the most important thing in your life, guess what it will never be to them? The most important thing. 
Most of the things that our kids love, most of the things that our kids enjoy, most of the hobbies that they kind of create for themselves along the way, if you look back and think about it, are very much because you like those things, you love those things. It is not, it doesn't come to a great surprise to anybody that my kids are Atlanta Braves baseball fans. Does that surprise anybody that my kids are Atlanta Braves baseball fans? Why would it not surprise you? Because who's an Atlanta Braves baseball fan? Me. They didn't have a choice, right? They're going to watch baseball. Who are they going to have to watch? Because that's who I'm watching. So you're going to have to watch. You're going to become a fan of that. How many of your college football fandom came not because you really had a choice, you just grew up in a home that that was the fandom of your home, so you became a fan of that team, right? That, that's how that... Church is the same way. Church is the same way. Your kids are going to know how important it is or how much they should give to it and put into it based on what they see you give to it and put into it. If you come up with excuses to not be a part, if you come up with excuses to not be involved, if you just put in the bare minimum that you think you've got to put in to reach eternity and spend with eternity with God one day, you're going to be standing back looking at your kids and going, why is this not important to them? And the answer is more than likely going to be because it wasn't that important to you. I want you to look at this verse. Paul has this great relationship with Timothy. Timothy and Paul are like spiritual father and son, I think. And, and he knows his family real well. And he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. But where did that sincere faith start? He says, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Why does Timothy have the ability to have such a great faith? Did he develop it on his own? Did he just wake up one day and go, I'm going to have a great faith? Is that where it happened? Is that how it started? Where did it originally come from? From his who? From his mom. And where did her faith originally come from? From where? From her mom. Now, can my kids, can I take my faith and give it to my kids and say, here, this is your faith? Is faith inherited? No. But you know what it is? My faith is their foundation. Lois's faith was the foundation for her daughter. And then she built upon that foundation. And then she laid that faith foundation for Timothy. And then Timothy built off of that foundation. But they laid that foundation for their children. They showed them what was important. They knew that when I looked at mom and dad, when I looked at my grandparents, when I look at my family members, I know that this needs to be important in my life because it is so important in theirs. You're going to teach your kids so many things. But the most important thing you can do is model what a Christian looks like to them. You are their window into Christianity. You are their window into Christianity. When you walk into Walmart, you're showing them how to live as a Christian in that environment. When you're at the ball field or the volleyball court or the gym, you're showing your child how to live as a Christian in that environment. When you're in the car, when you're on the phone, you are, show, you are a window into Christianity for your kids. Make sure Jesus is present in every one of those moments to the greatest degree. Let them know that Jesus is first in your life. Because if he's not, more than likely you're, you're not going to raise kids. I'm not saying they can't be killed to kids of, and adults of great faith. But it may be despite your raising instead of because 
of your raising. So put Christ first in your life. The next thing I want you to think about, and this is just a very brief thing and then we'll move on, is make family a priority. Make family a priority. If you look throughout Scripture, I'm not going to give you necessarily a a book, chapter, verse here because I think it's just in the whole story, especially in the Old Testament, that the family was the center of all of it. We like to make the center of our faith church, if you will, right? But it's not. The center of our faith, the center of the plan is in the home. That's why God went to a family first, right? He went to Abraham. He went to a family. When the whole, but even, even rewind beyond that, when the whole world is falling apart in the life of Noah, he still saves the world through what? A family. Okay? Families are so important. He makes a promise with Abraham as a family. I'm going to take your family and do something great with it. And then you see the story of his family uh, progress down the road, down the road, keeps going until it becomes a nation. But had his family not been what it was supposed to be, had the priority of his life not been his family, then it would have never worked with what God wanted. We have to make our family a priority. It has to be next to God. It has to be the most important thing. Our relationship with our spouse has to be so... I had a, I had a, very, a very good mentor tell me one time, he said, the most Christian thing you can ever do is show your kids you love their mom. The most Christian thing you can ever do is show your kids you love their mom. If you love everybody else, but your kids don't see you loving your spouse, then what are you teaching them? Love your spouse. Make them a priority. Make your kids a priority. Let them know that our family is important. If we want to get our country back, where does it start? Not in Washington. It doesn't start in Montgomery. It starts in our homes with our families. And if we keep them where they need to be, and we raise the next generation to be that way, then there's hope. So make your family a priority because that's, that is a priority through all of Scripture. The next thing is teach your children about God. Look at this verse, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7. It says, uh, these, command, uh, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. So, so we're receiving the, the commands from God, right? We're receiving the commands from God in the Old Testament. And, and, he's, and, and Moses is telling the people this, this. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, I'm going to look at this verse in the NIV and the ESV because I like both of the way they read. Um, Verse 7. So he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And so there's one word that they've kind of translated two different ways. And I like both of them. I like the word impress. Because it's the idea that I'm taking something and making a copy of it. I'm taking it and, 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 and pressing it in on you. I'm making it kind of a part of your being, all right? I'm making a copy of it within you. But how do I do that? I think it's shown better in verse 7 here. It says, you do that by teaching them. And not just teaching them some, but teaching them what? Diligently. You have to keep putting forth the effort. It's not a one-time thing. You know, we we teach our kids a lot of things. We teach them how to play sports. We teach them to drive. Some of your parents didn't do a good job with that, but that's okay. Um, We teach them hobbies. Uh, Here lately, I have had to relearn math so that I can teach Collins math, okay? So I don't, this sixth grade math is stuff I didn't do till high school, and I'm having to read 
like teach myself to do this so that I can help her do her work. And, and she told me that, of course, I'm going to tell you what. If you're my age and older, man, we missed out. We missed out because these phones will solve these math problems for you. I would have never had to make a good grade on a test ever because my homework grades would have been fantastic. And Collins is like, where's, where's that website? I'm like, I'm going to teach you to do math, not to cheat. You got to figure that out on your own. Like, that's, that's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. Okay, I thought it was funny. Ha, ha, ha. It is our responsibility to teach our children. But I want to talk to you about that very importantly in two different ways. The first way is this. God... His laws, His love, His grace, His mercy, those are the most important things that you will ever teach your children. Ever. Say that with me. The most important things ever. You can teach them to throw a football. You can send them to batting practice camp. You can send them to all these other different things and you can invest a lot of money. And if that investment is outweighing what you're investing in your children spiritually, your priorities are in the wrong place. They just are. If they're spending more time learning things from you about the world than they are about God, then you are not doing what God is expecting you to do. Okay? That's a hard truth and a hard reality. It's up to you. It is your responsibility to teach them the most important things that they can ever learn. You have to take that responsibility on yourself. And secondly, it's no one else's job but yours, first and foremost. Nobody else's job but yours. Listen, one of the greatest things we have in our nation that a lot of other nations don't have is we have the ability to send our kids to school. And listen, I am grateful. If you are a school teacher or a retired school teacher, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I am so grateful for you. And everybody in this room is grateful for you. Now, there is a greater appreciation for you now, I think, than there was three years ago when all of a sudden we all became teachers. We all became teachers. When, um, when we were interviewed, they asked us if we were going to send our kids to school or homeschool our kids. And Blair goes, listen, if we're homeschooling our kids, something terrible has happened and everybody's homeschooling their kids. And we get here and six months later, something terrible happened and we all became homeschool students. So I don't know if COVID was Blair's fault or not, but she, she prophesied about it a little bit along the way there, right? And so I don't know about y'all, but man, when school started the next fall, I mean, I was like ready to line up the night before and car rider line to drop them off. They'd been at home with me since March and it's like, all right, let's send them on. School is a great thing. And as teachers, your job is to do what? Teach. Y'all all didn't say that at the same time, then let's try it again. Your job is to teach. That is your job. Your job is to teach things that I don't know how to teach. Your job is to, 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 to lay the foundation for these kids. And as great as that is in our country, and everybody gets the opportunity for that. Some countries have great schools, but not everybody gets to go. We have a country that says we're going to try to give the best education freely to everybody. And there's struggles along the way, I get that. But a lot of times what we do as parents, and Jonathan and I talk about this because we've both, I've been in youth ministry, he's in youth ministry, is a lot of times people want to take that mindset and apply it to the church as well, right, Jonathan? That it is the church's job to teach my kids. And it's not. 
It's our job to reinforce what you're teaching them. It's our job that when you struggle with something that you're trying to teach them, and you may not know the answer, or you're like, man, this has gotten real deep real quick. It's your job, it's our job to support you in that, and to encourage you in that, and to maybe educate you in that. But nobody else's job is it to train your kids and raise your kids above yours. It is your job first and foremost. Don't blame the church when your kid doesn't turn out the way you want them to or don't want them to. Think about yourself first. If you want your kid to be this way when they grow up, then start training them to be this way. And then come to us. Come to your elders, your teachers at church, your youth ministers, to, your, to your, your preacher here and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. This, this is, help me in this. And we're going to be right there with you. But we can't be the ones that are solely responsible for teaching your children. That has to start with you at home every single day. What does this verse say? When do you do it? You do it as you talk to them, when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. What, what, what's, what's that giving us? What's that telling us? Hey, as you go about life, every opportunity you have, figure out a way to talk to your children about Jesus, about God. Take advantage of every single moment and use it as a teaching moment. But teach your children about God. All right. Let's see what we got left here. Um, encourage your children to have godly influences in their life. So when you ask me, well, if it's not the church's job to teach my kids, then what is the church's job? It is the church's job to surround your children with positive disciple influences. Positive disciple influences. It is our job to, to find, like for me, it is my job to disciple down. You've heard me talk about this, the ABC discipleship. Someone above you, beside you, and your caboose, someone that is beside, behind you. And so it is our job as parents to make sure that there are older people, you know, whether they be um, middle schoolers to high schoolers, okay? Hey, high schoolers, you got a lot of middle school and younger kids that are looking up to you every single day. If you don't believe me, come listen to the way my kids talk about each and every one of you, okay? They're looking up to you. You have someone behind you to disciple. But parents, make sure, even above that, that you are allowing and creating moments where members of this body can disciple into your children and help those relationships. Because we have a youth minister, but Jonathan is not going to be able to minister effectively to every single kid. He's just not going to be able to. But as a ministry team with his deacons and his elders and, and, and his teachers, they can't. Make sure your kids have relationships with those people. Encourage them to have a relationship with those people. Encourage them to have relationships with um, the kids in their youth group, in their age level, in their age range. Make sure that you are doing everything you can to help those relationships grow. And then no matter how old they are, help them to realize that they have an impact on a generation behind them. Help them to encourage other children along the way, but encourage your children to have godly influences in their life. Here's the, the last two things here. Pray regularly with and for your children. Pray regularly with and for your children. And I think especially for your children. We pray for a lot of things, don't we? How many of you, though, pray for your children's future spouse at six years old? 
That just seems like that's so far down the road, right? But what if you're putting that work in now? What if you're putting that work in now, asking God to bless that moment that far down the road? How big of a difference can that have? It could have a huge difference. Make sure you're praying with and for your children. And then the last thing, running out of time here, live your faith around your children. Live your faith around your children. Now this goes back to the first idea that Jesus has got to be the center of it. He's got to be the most important thing. But I think it's so important for your children to really see that worship with your children. Okay, that goes back to that praying with. But, but from time to time, just grab your kids and say, I mean, I mean, I know you guys all, I mean, it's cool to see all of our kids up here. But what if you just grabbed your kids one Sunday morning and said, hey, I want us to sit together and worship this morning. How powerful is it for you to worship as a family together from time to time? Sometimes as, as you've got younger kids, that's, that's, coming into this environment's not the easiest. Okay, it's not the easiest. I get that. Uh, a great lady once told Blair and I that the most important thing for you to do as a parent with young kids is just get your kids there. You may not get anything out of the hour that you spend in worship, but let your kids know that it's important that you're there. Worship together. But I think even above that, serve others with your children. Be a part of their walk. Be a part of their walk. Um, I know a lot of you do this, but, but in particular, I was reminded last night as I was kind of putting some finishing touches on some of this stuff in my mind and thinking about things. I ran into um, Kevin and Alyssa last night at, um, at a birthday party, and they had been at um, volleyball all day. How many hours were y'all at the volleyball court yesterday? All of them? I think Facebook, I was reading somebody like, they played like 12 hours of volleyball yesterday. And um, that's, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. But as parents, what do we do? When that's what our kids love to do, what do we do? We pack up and we what? We sit on the side of a volleyball court for 12 hours. We go to baseball tournaments. We go to cheerleader tournaments. We go to this thing. We go to that thing. We go to, we go to horse shows. We do all this stuff because it's our kids, right? And we love them. But one of the things that I love about Kevin and Alyssa uh, and, and a lot of our parents do this. It's just I've, Kevin, I thought of it last night with Kevin and Alyssa, is that they'll go spend 12 hours at a volleyball court with their child, but they'll also load up on the church bus and go to Six Flags with the youth group. They'll load up on the church bus, and they'll go to the youth rally, and they'll go to this conference, and they'll go to that thing. They don't just drop and go when it comes to their church stuff. It's just as important for them to make sure their kids are there and involved and that they are there with them as it is that they're there at the volleyball tournament and this tournament and that thing. Live your faith. Let them see that not only is it important that you're there, I'm going to make it a priority to be there with you. I have never met a youth minister. I've never met a youth minister that's worth his salt that says, we've got too many parents going. The more parents you have, the less trouble they get in. I really believe that. I really believe that. Be a part of their life. Let them see you serving other people. Let them see you using your gifts, worshiping God, living that out every single day so that they'll know that it's important for you. Um, another great example was last Sunday night. Um, a couple of weeks ago, as we were getting ready to go on our young adult trip, I sent Riley a message, and I said, Hey, Riley, I need you to lead our singing at our, uh, our little worship service that morning. He thought I meant big church. And I mean, it was quick. No. And then he realized, 
Oh, it's not big church. It's just our little group that's going to be there. And he, he called me. He's like, hey, I kind of misunderstood the question there. Yes, absolutely. I'm all in. Okay, but as the conversation went on for a few days, what does Riley come back with and say? He's like, man, I, 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 I used to do this. I've done this in the last two leaders. I can do it. I know how to do it. I need to be doing this more often, right? And then he let the cat out of the bag, and he did it last Sunday night. But I love the way in which he did it. He didn't just get up and do it. Who did he do it with, for those of you that were here? With Tate. He brought Tate up there and said, I want you to do this, and I'm going to do it with you. That reinforces to our children. Not just that I'm not just going to make you do it. I'm going to get up here and I'm going to do it with you. And um, uh, Riley's going to be singing for us next Sunday morning. He just doesn't know it yet. So Riley's going to get him in the list there and get him on the route. Once you let us know what you can do, you've messed up, right? Go from being volunteered to voluntold. That's how it works around here. Becoming a, a great faith parent is a struggle. It's a challenge. But I want to tell you something. I look around this room and I see a lot of young parents. We have a lot of young parents. We've added a lot of young children to our family in the last year. But equally as important, I look around this room and I see a lot of successful parents. Jonathan was handing out calendars in the back. He walked up to David Pickard. He goes, you're a parent. Handed him one, gave one to Jamie. He goes, you're one. And he just kind of walked by Brian. And Brian goes, hey, I'm a parent. Of course, he was meeting youth parents. But to Brian's point, once you're a parent, you're always a parent. You're always parenting your kids, no matter how old you are and they are. But more importantly, to our young parents, look around the room at the ages and the success of our former raising parents. And the ones that their kids are faithful and devoted. And, I, and I, that's, 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 that's most of you I know. When you struggle, when you have questions, those are the people you lean into. Let them continue to raise you as you raise your children. And we can turn the tide of the challenges that we face. And we can be great faith-raising parents. Let's go to God in prayer as we close. God, we thank you for the chance to be here this morning and to have this opportunity to study and to just open up our hearts to, to what you expect out of us. Uh, we're never going to do it perfect, God. We're never going to live it out the way exactly like you want us. And that's why we're so grateful for the grace that comes from you, that you don't hold that over us, that you have justified us and you've forgiven us of that, God. But help us to live in that grace and to show and teach that grace to our children. God, we thank you for our young parents that are starting the journey. We thank you for the parents that we have that are in the middle of it and those who have who their raising years are over. Uh, and, and they are such great books of wisdom that we can tap into, God. Help us to all live in this, in this extraordinary faith area of raising our children together. Let us lean on each other and accomplish great things together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his death that gives us the hope of eternal salvation. We pray for those this morning, God, that have not made that commitment to have their sins washed away as you have told us so that they can uh, be saved from your wrath, be justified before you and live in your grace, God. For those that have and have walked away or not living in it the way they should, help them to return home and to walk faithfully with you once again. Thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. And Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.